0: everybody. Welcome back to this edition of the First Baptist Big Spring Podcast. Got some special guests with me uh, today. A couple guys I meet with uh, every week. Eric Sanford is with me today as well as Tyler Gresham. Eric's been here in our pulpit here at First Baptist before. You uh, may remember him. Tyler uh, has not uh, been, but glad to have these guys on with us uh, today. I realized last night uh, that it's a really good thing we're not doing this next week. Uh, Next week is Alabama-Auburn week, and I play referee uh, on our Monday meetings with these guys every year on that. And so we're going to go ahead and record two episodes, hopefully today, during this, because these guys get at it pretty good uh, next week. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and who you are, what you do in ministry. Uh, Tyler, why don't you go first?
1: Sure. Uh, I am Tyler Gresham. I'm the pastor of students at Fairhaven Baptist Church in Demopolis, Alabama, and what that means, I actually have Eric's old job. Before Eric uh, moved out to Denver, he uh, was was the student pastor here at Fairhaven, and so that's how we got connected, um, was, was through Fairhaven. Um, I also help partner alongside with our local, national, and global mission partners. And so um, that's how we've we've all kind of uh, connected here. But yeah, so um, overseas students, uh, disciple students, work with families, and also work uh, with our mission partners um, across the globe. So we, we have a lot of fun.
2: My name is Eric Sanford, and I am a church planter, now turned pastor of Jerryman Church in the Lowry neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. Um, as Tyler mentioned, I was the youth pastor at Fairhaven for eight and a half years before I moved out here to Colorado, been out here almost eight years and um, doing ministry here. Our church is a, a missional-based church, so that means uh, we try really hard to put Um, a majority of our emphasis and time into discipleship, into small groups, as opposed to being really focused on the worship service. We do have a a public worship service on Sundays, but our main thrust of our ministry is discipleship and uh, small group relationships. Uh, And a privilege to be partnered with you guys at, at First Baptist Big Spring Um, Thank you for supporting us and encouraging us um, in the ministry that we do here in Lowry.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, Just by way of kind of how I got to know these guys, uh, Eric and I got plugged in uh, via the North American mission board, probably about six years ago now. And we've sent teams there. Uh, Tyler, you've heard the connection between Tyler and Eric. And so Tyler, Eric and I meet, just about without fail every monday and what we do we primarily we talk about how life is going and we read a book together and we pray for each other and we just wrap that up uh, today we've probably read the three of us have probably read 10 or 12 books or so in the last just couple of years mm-hmm. And we'll take about three months or so, depending on the length. And right now, we're working through a a brand new book that's by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. This is our second week, and the title of the book is Family Discipleship. And the idea in there is how to make disciples within your own family. Uh, The church plays a huge role in that, uh, but uh, we we believe that Scripture uh, indicates that the parent— uh, the believing parent is the primary disciple maker within their household. And the first chapter of this book was just so tremendous uh, that I, I wanted to, to talk through it a little bit here in an abbreviated format about what it, what it is and, and what family discipleship is and then what it is, is not. So this first episode, I want to talk about uh, what is family discipleship. So what is family discipleship? So how would you guys answer that question uh, based on not just the book that we've been reading through, but also uh, what, what your historical understanding is of that, uh, the biblical precedent uh, for that. So what would you say is, uh, what is family discipleship? Why don't we let you go first, Eric?
2: Sure. I, I see family discipleship. I see the family, mom and dad as the primary discipler of children in their home. It doesn't mean that they're the only discipler of their children. Uh, I think the church has a part and a role in that to support mom and dad, to encourage the the child or children beyond what mom and dad do, um, and to step in where there is no spiritual mom or dad and be that person who disciples. Uh, I. I think it carries all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter six, right after the Shema, the hero, Israel, the Lord, our God is one God. Um, After that, it, it, it talks about us talking to our children when we sit, when we rise, when we're walking along the way Um, in everything that we do, we're to point those truths back into their life. And so for me, as I see family discipleship, it's just a carryover from what was happening in the Jewish household uh, then ultimately is it is kind of retrofitted and, and adopted in the early Christian church. Um, and it is a it is a reflection of even what Jesus did with his disciples um, in the years of his ministry that we then carry over in our home as well. So for me, family discipleship looks like uh, the, the conversation in the car, um, intentional meals with your kid where you're you're reading scripture and talking about it. you're you're reading a book about the scriptures um, together and discussing it. It's interaction with your with your child. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect in that. Um, but family discipleship is mom and dad taking the primary role of disciple maker in their
1: child's life.
0: How about you, uh Tyler? Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean to to kind of piggyback off of what Eric said, is it's family discipleship is definitely mom and dad pouring their faithfulness and their faith into their children. Um, you know, one of the things that we we talked about even today in uh, the, the book by Chandler and Griffin is is modeling. And so there's a lot of that that goes along with, um, with family discipleship of modeling your behavior of bringing your kids along as you serve in the church. And I think that that's another big point that I really do want to emphasize is that you, for, for, for mom and dad to disciple or mom or dad, because we know that there are a lot of people who who come from or are in broken families, you know, we even see that in scripture in Second uh, Timothy, as Paul is talking to Timothy, and he talks about the faith that dwelt in Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice, and now resides in Timothy, that um who, however your family looks, whether that is mom, dad, mom or dad or grandparents or guardians, or aunt or uncle, wh- wh- however, taking your child or the child that you have been entrusted with, and uh, modeling church for them, being a part of a church, um, one of the things, uh, a book we read a couple of months ago, um, You Are What You Love" by James K. A. Smith talks about how discipleship starts in the church and how important it is to be connected to the church. And so if that's the bare minimum, right? Like at the very least, as, as a parent, I am to be connected to a local church body and be taking my child to church, raising them in the church so that they uh, may learn to love the Lord God. And so kind of the base level, I'm supposed to be having these conversations with my kid, but I'm also supposed to be taking them to church. I can I can sit down and we can have church in our house or do whatever, but, but I'm also supposed to be connecting them with a local body of believers.
0: So Tyler, how, how have we seen, or how do we see this modeled in scripture from Jesus's point of view? And then Eric weigh on way on in this as well, but we we see Jesus doing this, but but what are some of the things we can learn from Him as He modeled in the Scripture?
1: As He models going to church, taking kids to or no, taking people to church, disciples yeah, in take,
0: particular in the in the way so, He did that with He didn't have kids, um, but He yeah. had, had a group.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like He has these followers, He has these, and and He it is interesting to me how Jesus the God of the universe could have just totally divorced himself from um, the religious institutions of his day. Right. Like he totally could have, he could have been like, you know what guys, you have royally messed this up. You you are not getting it right. We're not. And yet it is so fascinating how when he is traveling throughout Galilee, when he's going on his Decapolis tour ride, or he's going around these, cities in, in the northern Galilee, um, that he is uh, always stopping in at synagogues. He is always stopping in where the people of God are meeting. Um, he lost a lot of followers outside the synagogue at Capernaum. He's teaching there in the synagogue in Capernaum in John chapter 6, and he's telling people, yeah, I'm the bread of life. If, if you want to you want to be my follower you must eat my flesh and drink my blood and these people are like what in the world is he talking about and yet he's doing that in the synagogue amongst the people of God and so it's not just the the obviously churches and and we need to remember this church is not just a place it is a people um but he doesn't divorce himself from the people of God even when they misunderstand him he is always constantly bringing his disciples with him to the synagogue uh to to be amongst the people of the Lord even when they are very messy and and just simply aren't getting it right at all
2: and I see Jesus as well calling the disciples into active participation with him so the language that he uses when he calls them to follow him is come follow me and I will make you fishers of men Um, there's this you're going to come after me, but I'm going to make you into something and you're going to do this thing, right? I'm going to make you into fishers of men and you're actually then going to go out and do it. Um, and then you see as he teaches, as he does miracles, that then he sends them out, right? In the, uh, in the 12 or in the 72, that he sends them out um, to do these things. Um, or even where he retreats with three of them to the Mount of Transfiguration, sends the rest of them off to do miracles in his name during that time. Um, And so you see that Jesus is not just about them learning these academic things um, and having information, but actually having life transformation and application going side by side. Um, And so within his ministry, it should echo then back onto us of, How are we calling our children uh, into experiencing what we're experiencing as we serve the church? Um, As we, as we go and spend time with someone who is maybe a shut in, how do we invite our children to actively participate in that ministry that we're carrying on Um, as we go into the worship service and they, don't understand this element of what they're seeing being done, like passing the offering plate, instead of shushing them, um, maybe we turn to them and explain how that God has called us to be a generous giver um, and to give out of the abundance that he has given to us. And that's why we pass the plate, not for obligation's sake, but so that we could have a whole lot of people who are generous and and happy um, to give to God and that it is an act of worship. Um, And so looking at ways that we can integrate into the lives of our children, whether they're, um, you know, 17 um, or 20 or all the way down to just being old enough to kind of see all the things that are around them, you know, a few months old, uh, that we can integrate experience along with that formal um, information Um, And to see that, just as Tyler was saying, that the institution of the church shouldn't be forsaken, Um, that we don't do this in place of the church, we do this alongside with the church.
0: One of the things that we talked about last week uh, here is that all parents are discipling their children, and you are, it's just a matter of how you're discipling them. Uh, when, When you have a child, you are going to teach them things. It's just a matter of what those things are. Uh, Are we teaching them the ways of God? Are we discipling them and bringing them up in the things that uh, God would have us to value as a family, as believers? Are we sharing faith with them? Uh, Are we prioritizing things in our lives? And so as we we think about that in terms of how uh, Christian parents are to be uh, disciple makers in their own home, what would you say to uh, parents of children, parents of teenagers, uh, even to a certain degree, parents of college students, uh, why is it so important uh, to be uh, that disciple maker that is teaching your children the way of the Lord uh, as scripture teaches us? Why is that such a huge and important thing for all uh, Christian parents to be
2: doing? For me, it's a worldview issue. So as a believer in Jesus, my worldview is that we are broken because we have sin. And that sin um, allows us to go into a lot of terrible places. But there's redemption in Jesus. There's forgiveness. Uh, There's grace. There's reconciliation that is available through Christ. And because of those things, out of those things, I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I am uh, able to then give myself as a spiritual act of worship to God in all that I do. And those things are not being taught by anything other than the church. If you look at our culture today, it doesn't matter um, where you look, whether that's colleges or high schools or elementary schools or television shows, or movies, or um, media of any kind, those those are not the things that are being taught. And if we don't teach them um, as truth as they are, then no one else is gonna teach them. Uh, So uh, one of my favorite quotes, and this is a quote that my wife really doesn't like, but I I use it all the time, is by a guy named G.K. Chesterton. Um, And he said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Um, and even if we do a bad job at teaching the good worldview that is biblical, it's better than not teaching them at all because then our kids are just gonna go off into uh, the kingdom of this world. Um, and we want them to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so for me, I think it's you know essential for mom and dad to teach the Christian worldview And then it's up to our children, do they accept it or not?
1: Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that. And if I believe that, then that means that I have to do all things in accordance with that truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And one of those things impacts, or, or that also impacts how I raise my children and how I, teach them and what we do. And so that influences that, you know what, before we go to bed at night, we're going to read a little bit from the Bible. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk with each other about what we are thankful for that day. We're going to pray together and we're going to end it in the Lord's prayer. And that's what I do. I have a seven-year-old son, four-year-old daughter. And that's how that is what our night looks like every night before we go to bed. And it means that we, have conversations about the Lord and we talk about the beauty of his creation and, and it comes up in so many random weird ways, even, you know, where um, my, my son has recently gotten into the national parks. And so when we talk about Yellowstone national park and the geysers, and we talk about the glory of God being reflected in geysers of, of like, you know, John, you know, my son's name is John say, you know, the Lord made these and he had you in mind when he made them because he knew that you would find these just wonderful and amazing. You know, it's so easy with young kids. Um, and, and we just continue to have those conversations being a student pastor, encouraging parents to um, continue to, to have these hard conversations, sometimes uncomfortable when they're when their kids come to them with questions that they, they don't know how to answer because like we said, everybody is being a, is being discipled. We're all being discipled by something. If we're not being discipled in the church, we're being discipled by our culture, and our culture, as Eric said, is certainly not going to teach you how to be a, a better follower of Jesus. So how then do we have those conversations with our kids? What do we, what do we say? And so I think that that's where we just, we tackle those issues head on. And we say, well, this is what the scripture saying. If we don't know the answer and it is okay to not know the answer. I remind parents this all the time. It is okay to have your kid ask you a question. You say, I have absolutely no idea, but, but, but here's the thing. We can find out and we can study in the scriptures. We can go and we can ask one of our pastors, um, and or or a friend or somebody and and we can find out that answer about how how our faith impacts this issue that you were concerned about and and to just continue to do that and have those conversations as they come up because they're going to naturally come up because kids are curious it doesn't matter if they're four if they're 14 or if they're 44 people are curious
0: well I think that's a a good start uh, for for where we want to go one of the things that we want to talk about a little bit more in the next episode is uh, what is it what is discipleship not? What is family discipleship not? Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions uh, out there. One of the things that I want to end this episode with, though, is the idea uh, that every family's discipleship plan is going to look slightly different, um, but we all need to have some type of, of plan. Uh, folks have different schedules. Uh, maybe maybe mom, maybe dad uh, work different uh, jobs or uh, your schedule is slightly different, and so right before uh, bed uh, may not look that way uh, for that family, or or maybe uh, things are, are looking different this week, and uh, the, the importance uh, is, is not in the form uh, or having uh, necessarily even a rigid plan. Uh, the importance of family discipleship is the consistent nature of it, uh, and a lot of times, uh, what you'll find is your kids will actually hold you accountable as parents uh, for that. Are we are, are we not going to pray tonight? Are we not going to read tonight? Um, and so, uh, kids have a way of uh, becoming even um, ingrained in those habits and um, and processes as well. And so, that's kind of where I want to go uh, next time about what what is it not? Uh, some of the things that we want to make sure that that we are not uh, doing. Uh, so that we can set ourselves up uh, for, a, for a good plan. But uh, thank you guys for joining me uh, today. Uh, we're going to uh, close this episode out, but uh, next week you'll want to come back, uh, hear the conclusion about what discipleship is not. But thank you guys for joining me today. We'll look forward to talking again soon.
1: Sounds good, man.